Our scripture reading shall be taken from John chapter 4, verse 7 to 26, 39 to 42. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to, come, have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you said you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. When you have, what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know, that, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord.
Hello? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thank you, Paul, for praying. Thank you, Mercy, for reading. Um, if you could keep your Bibles open to uh, John chapter 4. Um, let me just pray uh, before we start. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can come and just worship you, Lord God. I pray um, uh, as, as we come that you would prepare our hearts, Lord God, prepare our minds to hear what you have to say, Lord. I pray as I, I, I share these words that these would be your words, Lord God, and not my words, Lord. As we learn, Lord, what it means that you are the living water, oh, Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So, yeah. I have a question for you guys. Um, have you guys ever gotten a cut? One of the earliest memories that I have was when I was about seven years old. I was in America. My cousins had brought my brother and I to this park, and we were playing tag, and someone pushed me from behind, and I literally fall, and I scrape my knee. And I this is traumatic for me. This is what I remember. And I remember my cousins freaking out because they're like 14, and, you know, I'm, there's blood all over my knee. And they bring me to the first aid station. And I'm there, and, and this lady, right, comes, and I'm, like, scared. I, it hurts. And, and I remember going, and I remember sitting on this chair, and I remember her reaching into this cabinet and taking out hydrogen peroxide, okay? When, you know, when you're seven, right, in my house, all we had was alcohol, and so I, it hurts. And so I was terrified because I was like, it's going to hurt, right? And, and I remember her putting, you know, this on this cotton web, and then there was this kind of funny scene where, you know, we were kind of dancing because I kept moving my knee away from this lady as she's trying to put on this hydrogen peroxide. And at some point, she looks straight at me and and says, look, you need, you need to let me put this on your knee because otherwise your knee will get worse, right? It won't be able to heal if I don't put this on you, right? And at that point, I stopped moving my knee. She put it on. It didn't hurt as much as I thought it was because it wasn't alcohol, right? But it did sting a little bit. But see, you and I know that if she didn't clean the wound, wound right, that it, that it would be so much worse, that, that, that I could have gotten an infection. See, today as, as we go through, uh, as we continue in the story of John, right, we, we see that, that Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman, and, and he brings, not only does he bring healing to this lady, he also brings this eternal life to her. And just like that alcohol brought healing, so does Jesus through this living water. And we see this throughout this story, um, th this part of the passage, right? If you see in the first, um, first 14 verses, right, we see that the living water brings eternal life. We see that the living water brings eternal life, right? Here, we, we, it's a continuation of last week, really, and, and we see this comparison, right? And here Jesus comes, right, and he's with his disciples, and something is happening in, in Judea, and he decides that they're going to go back to Galilee, all right? Um, it, it's interesting to see, right, that, that he's led to go, right? And there's this interesting see, there, there are two ways, basically, to go 
back to Galilee, right? There's one way that goes straight into Samaria, which is the way Jesus decides to go. And then there's another way which a lot of Jews would do, which would be to go around Samaria so that they wouldn't even um, interact with any Samaritans. See here, this, this is important because that's how much the Jew, a lot of Jews dist- had disdain for these Samaritans, right? This is how much they didn't like, they wouldn't even go through. In fact, right, rabbis said, look, if you eat any food that they handle, that Samaritans handle as a Jew, you would become unclean, right? And they took that to, a lot of Jews took the heart. And yet Jesus and his disciples decide, and do, other Jews did go through this way. But they decide, no, we're just going to go through Samaria. And as he's there, right, we see what happens. Well, you know, they get food, right? And his disciples go into town, into a Samaritan town, and get this food. And as he's there, right, he sees, he's at this well, right, and verse 7, right, there's a Samaritan woman, and Jesus addresses her. He addresses her, which is, which is mind-boggling, right? Um, it's it's mind-boggling. It, it's, it's interesting here, right? It, it, this is really a continuation of last week where we met Nicodemus, right? Where you see Nicodemus and you think, yeah, this is this is the guy. This guy is someone who will be in heaven, right? This is this is a guy. You have this contrast. Jesus, the, John puts this contrast. This is a guy that will be in heaven, obviously, right? He, he is someone that everyone thought that he would get into the kingdom of heaven, right? And yet he needs Jesus. And then you have this contrast to this Samaritan woman, who no one thought deserved to go get the kingdom of heaven. And yet she needs Jesus, and she can have this life, right? If you look at this, um, right, he encounters this Samaritan woman, right? Um, if you look at this comparison, right, l- l- look at what it, what it is, right? Nicodemus, right, who is what? He's a learned, he's powerful, he's respected, he's an orthodox Jew, he's theologically trained, right? Compared to a Samaritan woman who's unschooled, without influence, who is despised, capable of only folk religion, right? She only knows the tales that are told to her, right? We see this comparison. You go even deeper to who Nicodemus was. He, he was a man. He was a Jew. He was a ruler compared to the Samaritan woman who was a woman who in those days, right, women were not seen equal to men, right? They, they were not in any way close to that. Not only that, she was a Samaritan, right? Remember, actually, the Jews would call them half-breeds, right? They, they had such prejudice towards these people. And not only that, in the, in the company of these outcasts, the Samaritan woman was an outcast. You see this comparison of, yeah, Nicodemus is someone definitely who everyone thought needed, could go to heaven, and yet last week we learned that he needed, needed to be born again. He needed Jesus. He needed to be saved. Also then now in comparison to this woman who everyone thought, no, there's no way she would be able to be saved, and yet Jesus interacts with her. So what? So that she can hear the gospel, can get this life and you see, right, she's flabbergasted, right? Uh, the Samaritan woman, uh, and, he, and he addresses that, him in, in verse 9, the Samaritan woman, is, she's flabbergasted. How, in the, why, why are you speaking to me? You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Even here in the Bible, it says, for the Jews do not associate with Samaritan. There is such tension. You see, but Jesus breaks through all these barriers, right? And Jesus says this, if you knew, 
Um, sorry. He says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Right? He's saying, you don't, you don't know who I am. I, if you knew who I was, you would ask for this living water, right? this con- connotation right, of Old Testament thing, well, where it brings, gives blessing, right? uh, where, where, where this water would bring transformation, where it would bring cleansing. Right? And in verse 11, you see, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. She doesn't get it. With the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Right? This, this well was a place, right, actually uh, the Samaritans actually um, uh, held highly to, right? It was given to their forefathers, uh, given to them by the forefather Jacob, right? In fact, a lot of temples were at this place. And she's, and she's, saying, she's asking Jesus, are you greater than Jacob? You know, Jesus obviously is. She doesn't understand who he is. And he says, um, he says to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be, yeah, sorry. Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, there is these echoes, this echoes of the Old Testament, right? Where where this water will be wells of salvation, Isaiah 12, right? Where there will be a place where people will no longer hunger or thirst, Isaiah 49, and echoed in Revelation. The pouring of God's spirit, where there will be this water of thirsty land and streams of dry ground, Isaiah 44, right? Uh, and if, if, if that wasn't enough, right, Isaiah 55 seems to really capture, he's captured, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters that your soul may live, right? And then four and five, we see that this water, this living water that brings salvation, right, is not only for the Jews, but it is for all nations, right? That it's no longer only for Israel, but for all nations, all Gentiles, right? This is what this living water is. This living water that brings salvation, that brings eternal life is for everyone, Eternal life is for everyone. My question to you today is, have you tasted from this living water? Have you accepted this eternal life? Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, that's not for me. There's so many things that I have done. There's no way that I could, could have this eternal life. There's no way I can accept it. Right? There's no way that Jesus wants me. Right? Jesus spoke to this Samaritan woman who no one thought deserved to be in the kingdom of heaven, and yet Jesus offers her this living water, this eternal life. What makes you think you are any different? Maybe you are sitting here. Maybe you've grown up in church all your life. Maybe you go to church because that's what you've done. But maybe you've never taken that step. 
You've never taken that step to have this personal relationship with Jesus. I ask you, do you want to have that taste of this living water, this eternal life? See, eternal life is for everyone. Maybe you are a believer. Maybe you are a believer here. Well, I ask you this question. Do you have prejudice towards others? Have you ever thought to yourself, I don't think that person can be saved. That person is not worth saving. Has these thoughts ever entered into your mind? I rebuke them in Jesus' name. Right? Uh, we've all, I'm sure, at some point probably thought these things. I don't think that, that this person can be saved. Uh, one, one of the greatest stories I ever heard was actually from a missionary who interviewed a lot of persecuted um, church members. And actually, one of the... the, the the impactful things to me is he asked these, these pers- the persecuted church, he asked these people, why do you pray for your captors? Why do you pray for these people that, that torture you, that hurt you, uh, that, that cause you so much pain and suffering for your faith? And it's amazing what these people say. A lot of them said that we pray for them because here's the thing, the only one that can change them is the Lord. The only one that can change them of their ways is the salvation, the, the salvation that the Lord gives them. See, for them, they don't have any prejudice towards who they think can be saved because they believe that the Lord, their God, can save everyone. See, this eternal life, this living water is for everyone. The living water, right, First, we need to accept this living water. We need to have this eternal life because the moment we have this, well, you know what happens, right? The Lord then reaches us. The Lord then brings us spiritual healing. The things that have separated us from him, right? The moment we accept him as our savior, well, then he brings this healing. And we see this, right, um, in, in the second part of this, that the wit, um, with the story of the, of the woman. Um, right? we, we see here, we continue in verse 15, right? the woman said, yes, sir, give me this water that I, don't, that I won't get thirsty and have to come, keep drawing, come here to draw water. She kind of misses the point here, right? but she, she's, she's on board. She wants this living water, right? And here's the thing, Jesus, right, in order to give her this living water, right, he pulls out the thing that is hindering her, the thing that is stopping her from fully realizing who he is. And he brings out her sin issue, right? She bring, he brings out her sin issue. He told her, go, go, call your husband. And she sheepishly says, I don't have a husband, right? And Jesus, he knows. Jesus knows everything about this woman, right? And she says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have five husbands, and the man that you are now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true, right? 
in, in that time, right, in a Jewish context, right, most women would not marry more than three times, right? If they were divorced or they were widowed, most, she had five. And not even beyond that, right, most, all, all, all the, um, the places of that time, right, would definitely not um, consider her, um, consider living with someone who's not your husband a good thing, right? In fact, they would say it's a sin, right? All these other cultures as well, right? And yet she is. And yet Jesus knows that this is the thing that is causing her the most pain. This is the thing that is causing her the most shame. This is the thing that is causing her not to, not to accept, right, the eternal life that she could have. This is the thing that she needs to have healing from, right? And we know that it's bothering her, right? Think about um, the shame that we, we know that it's bothering her because of this intense shame. By the time she goes to draw this water, right? It is about noon. And here is the thing about noon. This is the hottest time to get, get this water. Most of the women who would draw water, one, they would go in big groups, right, um, to get the water. And two, they would go during the morning when it's the coolest time. Why would you go into the hot desert right, to get water at the hottest time unless you didn't want to be seen by anyone else, right? This caused her intense shame. And Jesus knew that if she doesn't deal with this, right, if she doesn't address this, right, she wouldn't be able to be healed, right, and in the moment she hears this, right, what does she do? She tries to change the subject. She realizes that, no, Jesus, th this guy knows something about me. He must be at least a prophet, and he speaks to her and says, and he changes the subject, oh, well, we're actually, where should we worship, right? The Samaritans say we should worship on this mountain. The Jewish people say that we should worship in Jerusalem, and this is the amazing thing that Jesus does through the this, through this, his answer, he brings her healing. He gives her truth. And he says to her, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for the salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Yet a time is coming and has now come. Right? Actually, it literally translates to the hour is coming and now is. Every time John uses this language of the, the hour is now coming, what he is referring to is Jesus on the cross, the hour of when Jesus goes on the cross and dies for the sins of people and is resurrected again. When Jesus is saying, now the hour is coming and now is he is saying look now because I am here that is why your sins will be away that is why you will not need to worry about where you worship whether it's on this mountain or whether in this, this temple right where we learned two weeks ago when, when he destroyed the temple right because he becomes the reason why we can worship where we are he is saying to this woman look I have died on the cross already 
before the things, your hurt, your shame, your sin, those things. I have taken it all away already. And this woman starting to understand what is happening. And she says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. In fact, you, some, some translations, some of them say that he is not there. Actually, it just translates, I am. That goes back to Exodus at the burning bush when Moses says, who are you? And God says, I am who I am. This is the same I am. Jesus is this God. Jesus is the Messiah. And here's the thing, right? Because these things came out, uh, we, I can know that she has this healing. Why? Because the moment she does this, the moment she realizes who it is, what does she do? She runs. She leaves her jar. She goes into the town and she shares, the, she shares with all the people there, come, come meet this man. You need to meet this man who knew everything I ever did. The one thing she was the most ashamed of to talk about, she now can tell people, look, come meet this man. I know you know what I've done. I know, come meet this man who knows everything I did. You need to meet this man. And the moment they come, right, the moment they come and meet Jesus, they believe, right? We see this in 39 to 42, that they believe because of her testimony. They believe because, not only that, because they're able to meet this Jesus. See, the moment we accept this eternal life, right, that is when Jesus brings this healing to our lives. This living water brings this healing to our lives. The question I have for you is, is there something that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? Is, is there something that is hindering you from truly seeing your relationship with Jesus? Right? For this woman, right, it, it was, came to light that it was this sin. Not only the sin, the sin that brought shame, the sin that brought this hurt, right, this sin that made her an outcast. Is there something that that is for you? Is there something you're scared of? Is there a wound that, that, is, that is causing you to not truly see the Lord? Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's something that happened in the past. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's, it's that you don't feel like you are equal in this church. Right? Maybe it's something that other people has defined you as something um, not uh, has defined you as something negative. What is it that 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 is 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 that you've been burying down? Here's the thing: lay it at the feet of Jesus because He can heal you of this. Right? Lay it on the cross. Um, uh, one of uh, the, the my spiritual growth actually was in college. Um, and, and I remember this time, this, this is the scariest prayer that I ever prayed. And, and there was something about um, college when I was there, and, and the Lord was really just working in me. 
And I had suppressed all of these feelings. I had suppressed all these hurts. These, I was, you know, struggling with depression, I'm sure, in, in, in high school, um, these, these bad thoughts and things. And somehow in, in, this, in, in college, right, the Lord was slowly revealing these things to me, right? As I was there, there was something that the Lord was just working in me. And then the way he was doing this by, was by making me remember, making, revealing these things. And I remember one day just, just starting to remember these things, these hurts that were happening, and I called my friend, and, and she brought me to this prayer room, and she said to me, look, this is the Lord. This is the Lord revealing what is stopping your relationship with him, and she said to me, you need to declare these things. You need to remember these things. You need to declare these things that are happening, and, 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 and I will pray for you as you th- as you." denounce these things, right? And I remember being there, and it took me half an hour to say one word in, in, in this little prayer room. It took me half an hour just to say just one word. But I remember just the Lord freeing me of these things. See, I said it would hurt a little bit once to bring healing, and that definitely hurt, right? Remembering the things, right? And I remember all these these hurts that you know of bullying that happened when I was in school, right? Um, these hurts of of guilt that I had because of many different sins that I had, and I remember for another half an hour just declaring these things that the Lord had revealed to me. I remember praying that the Lord would reveal these things that are hindering my relationship. And as I said these things, right, that is when I realized that, 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 that the Lord had healed me of these things, that he had already taken those sins on the cross, that he had already paid for those things, that he had already taken away these hurts and pains. But it wasn't until I brought it out into the open, right, and was able to share it, right, that Jesus was able to heal me of that, that I was able to realize that actually, that is what eternal life does. It actually takes away these things when you realize and you lay it at the feet of Jesus, right? That is what spiritual living water does. That's what this eternal life does. Not only does it give us eternal life, but it gives us spiritual healing of those things. I challenge you to pray that prayer. Ask the Lord to reveal those things in your life. Uh, let me just close with this. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this song, Just As I Am. Uh, I really like this, uh, this hymn. Um, it's a hymn that most people would use um, as an altar call. Um, so right, when, they're, when they're sharing and, and asking people to accept Christ, they will sing this song usually. It kind of goes like this. Just as I am without one plea. Right? Um, but do you guys know the story behind this? Actually, this is from a woman named Charlotte Elliott, and that's her there. And um, really what it was, it was in time where she, in her 20s and 30s, suddenly got this disease that made her an invalid, right? That made her not, not be able to do anything, especially in that time for women, right? And she felt like she had no sense of purpose. Actually, she came into this, this, this deep well of depression, right? And she didn't, she, she didn't think anyone wanted her, right? And as she's at her brother's house, right, what happens is this minister, this friend, Dr. Mellon, comes to her and, and tells her, that, speaks to her and says, look, you can just come as you are. Jesus 
sees, just wants you to come as you are a sinner to, to the Lamb of God who will take away the sin, your sin, your pain, your suffering, right? And as, as she remembers this, she writes this hymn that we have. And really the third, second and third verse seems to capture really what she's feeling. But this, this is what it is. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am poor, wretched and blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Let us come to this living water that will bring us not only life, but this healing, just as we are. Uh, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can come and learn about you, Lord. I thank you that you are the living water, Lord, that, that brings us life, not only eternal life, Lord, but that, that, that frees us of this sin, of this bondage that we have, Lord. I pray that as we go out, that people would see that we are your people that are changed, that we are your people that are transformed, Lord, by this water, by this living water uh, that heals us of everything, Lord. I pray that we would lay it at your feet. Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen.